The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the 2016 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at newyearsconference.com. I think, uh, so I don't know where you guys are at right now, but I think um, me even asking you guys that question, you could think like, I don't, I don't really, I haven't been given a bad name or like my family's fine or you're asking me a lot to like think about these things. Um, and I would just say that like, I completely understand if you, if, if it feels really uncomfortable to like reflect on your life because I'm that way. Uh, I think I really actually like really hate um, like being super self-reflective. I think especially because of uh, the disappointment that I've received from my dad, I've, I've sort of put up a lot of walls and I'm, I'm pretty like self-protective. And I think um, this is similar. I think, I think girls and guys alike might struggle with this, but I think guys, especially like we hate, um, I think we hate showing emotion. We hate being weak. And I think it's, it's even harder for guys than it is for girls to process our emotions. And so um, I just want you guys to know that there's total grace and that this is like, for some of you, you might be in your first year of college and these things that I've been, I'm processing, I didn't even really start processing until after college. Um, but I, during my talk today, I just want to help sort of begin some categories for you guys to think about. But this processing is going to be a lifelong thing. Uh, but there's a, there's a book that I read or I've been reading recently called To Be Told by Dan Allender. Um, and it's a book about reflecting on our story, reflecting on, um, yeah, what has been written about our lives. And he has a quote in there that I think is helpful. And he says, God wants us to start asking important questions and he uses our fleeting and unquenchable desire to connect with our earthly father to raise the questions we all need to face. And I think it's true. Each and every one of us has this unquenchable desire to connect with our earthly father um, in a in a in a way where we feel close to them. And so many of us have been left disappointed. Um, and I think uh, we've experienced a lot of pain from our family, like I've been talking about. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about how that pain can look, and um, just a, a few categories that might be new for you. These are from a book called Living from the Heart Jesus Gave You. It's another book that, those are the two books that, I, that I've gotten a lot of my information from my talk from is To Be Told and Living from the Heart Jesus Gave You. But in that book, it talks about uh, trauma. Um, and the definition of trauma is anything that causes injury or pain and blocks maturity and growth. Uh, again, uh, trauma is anything that causes injury or pain and blocks maturity and growth. And I'm not going to talk a ton about this, but uh, there are basically two types of trauma. Now, when you first hear trauma, you might think like an injury or uh, some sort of abuse, which that is, uh, that is a type of trauma. Um, a type B trauma is the presence of bad in your life. So if you experience any sort of abuse at any point in your life, that is a type B trauma. It's the presence of bad. Um, and I think all of us have have probably experience some sort of type B trauma. But I think a type of trauma that's a lot more common that we don't really think about is a type A trauma, which is the absence of the good things that we should receive. And so does that make sense, the difference between the two? So type B is the presence of bad, and type A is the absence of the good things we should receive. And I think we can find all sorts of type A traumas throughout different stages of our life. Um, and those 
things that the pain that we experience or the lack of good things we experience lead to a lot of difficulties as we mature. And so um, you guys are all college students in this room, I think. And um, I think you might even be starting to think about the, these categories because maybe you, you've lived away from your family for the first time ever. Like you've, you've lived your whole life with your family. And I, and I think I started to realize that I was like, there's things about my life that are just really different than what other people have experienced. And because moving, moving to college, going to a different city, I, I wasn't living at home anymore. And so I think I just started to realize, oh, all these things that are uh, present in my life, um, like maybe they shouldn't be there. And I'm, I have to start asking, like, why are they in my life? Uh, and another uh, category that I've been thinking about a lot from this book and I think is helpful is because of this this trauma or the pain that we've experienced, it sort of leads to the ways that we interact with other people. And uh, there's it's a difference between fear bonds and love bonds. Um, and so I just want to help us understand what the difference would be between a fear bond and a love bond. And so if you feel... So this this could be a relationship with your family, it could be with friends, people in your life, but if you walk away from a relationship and you feel content, if you feel um, energized and refreshed, you feel like this is a life-giving relationship, and you you just look forward to time with this person, and you walk away feeling better, uh, that you most likely have a, a love bond with that person. Um, but if you walk away from a relationship and you feel more anxious, if you feel drained by being around that person... If you feel confused, you don't feel understood by someone, you most likely have a fear bond. Um, and I think a lot of us uh, have those sort of relationships with our family. Um, and a lot of us uh, have experienced a sort of draining relationship with family, and, I, and I've experienced that. Um, and I would say, yeah, when we, don't, when we don't experience a secure, loving relationship with family, and specifically from a dad, we look for ways to make up for that. Um, or if we've experienced pain or loss of relationship from other people, we look for ways to make up for that. And so that's leading into my next point. So if my first point is family names us, point number two is that we try to rename ourselves. Uh, point number two is that we try to rename ourselves. Uh, Dan Allender in his book says, we turn to others for self-definition, safety, and companionship in order to banish the loneliness of life. Um, and, and so I want to talk through a few categories that I think are ways that we try to rename ourselves. Um, and so at St. Cloud State, uh, this semester we've been, um, so our weekly meeting that we have is called Dollar Dinner. We meet every other week. Uh, we provide a meal at my house. And we talk about different categories uh, of things that we use to define ourselves. Um, the theme of the semester has been you are what you love, which basically means that the things that you love most are the things that define you. And most of the people that come to those meetings don't believe in Christianity. They're investigating it. They're trying to figure it out. Um, and I just think that uh, it's really helpful for us to examine, okay, what are the things that I love? Because those typically are what define me. And so one of the ways that I think we try to rename ourselves is through our appearance. Um, and what, I'm, what I mean by that is I think it, it could look a lot of different ways, but I think one of the ways that we uh, try to rename ourselves is through like the clothes we wear. And so maybe you're on one end of the spectrum and, and you're, you want to, you wear a type of clothing that is kind of like you want to fit in. And so it's interesting because Joe was like talking about this last night, but maybe you, um, you want 
to fit in with everybody else, but you want to have like the best thing and you want to be viewed as the person that, that like has the best outfit. Um, and I think this isn't just like something that girls struggle with. I think guys can be like this too. It looks differently. Um, or on the other end of the spectrum, I think it's kind of interesting because uh, it, this is a trend right now, but there's this, there's this want, desire to be unique and sort of maybe like have the thing that nobody else has. And that's like maybe like more hipster. And I think the funny thing is, like, I've talked to a lot of people and they're like, yeah, I don't even, you know, go to stores. I just go to thrift shops because I like to invent my own style. Um, and that's sort of just like a trend too, like rejecting mainstream and not, I'm not going to get the thing that everybody else gets. But I think that's just a way that we try to define ourselves to other people or we try to um, express ourselves to other people and rename ourselves. Or maybe maybe it's clo clothing isn't really something that you use to... Um, to name yourself, maybe it's through athletics. So maybe for you it's, I'm gonna be at the gym all the time or I'm gonna let people know that I always go to the gym and I, I lift and I work out because I wanna be looked at as someone who's strong and someone who's capable of, um, of, of being, excelling in my sport. And so you feel the necessity to, to be the best in your sport. Um, and w whenever you don't feel strong, whenever you don't feel um, like you're excelling, then your identity, it, it's kind of crushing if you don't um, excel in the way you want. And, and maybe it's not appearance exactly. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not you don't use clothing um, or athletics. Um, maybe it's your intellect. And so it's, a, it's appearing really intelligent in front of other people. Uh, it's, it's always wanting to have the best insight. So maybe in class, you want to you want to be the person that is the first to speak up and, and have the insight. And when somebody else does something smart, you want to one up them. Um, but you just want to appear as someone who's really intelligent and and you and 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 unique in your in your views on things. Um, so there are some ways I think that we use appearance uh, to define to rename ourselves. I think another category of ways that we try to rename ourselves is through relationships, um, and I think specifically romantic relationships. I think a question that Joe asked uh, that was that was helpful for me, I guess. Um, he asked, I think it was one of his first talks, but he asked, like, would you be willing to give up um, meaningless sex for the sake of a lasting relationship? And I think um, a lot of people use a romantic relationship and maybe even the physical aspect of a relationship to not feel lonely. They don't, you don't want to feel unwanted. And so I'm willing to just be f purely physical with no strings attached with someone just so that I can feel accepted. Um, and I would, I would just to let you guys in a little bit on my life, like that, that was me. Um, my relationships were physical and it was all stemming from a, a fear of um, not being desirable. And so I had meaningless physical relationships um, just so that for the sake of not having to feel alone. Um, and and there, there were just numerous ways uh, in junior high and high school that I sought identity. I mean, yeah, like I said, through physical relationships, through partying. Um, and I, I would do basically whatever it took to uh, have friends and be accepted, no matter the cost, no matter how much pain I was incurring on myself and how unhealthy it was, as long as I could feel like wanted, feel ex accepted by people. Um, so I, I just want to give you guys another minute or two to, to ask a question to yourself again. But what are the ways that you 
are currently seeking identity. Um, yeah, how do you seek identity? Okay, um, which leads into my third point, which is that renaming ourselves doesn't work. So if first family names us, uh, number two, we try to rename ourselves. Uh, my third point, and what I'm trying to convince you guys of, is that renaming ourselves doesn't work. Um, and that's because we're hiding. Uh, Joe Rigney uh, shared this verse before, and so I want to re read it again. It's, if, you're, if you're writing notes, you can just write down this reference. You don't have to turn there, but it's Genesis 3. 7 to 10. And this is when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and right after they sinned, and this is what it says, uh, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Um, I just think it's, it's interesting because the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, they saw, them, they saw their nakedness, and then they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, and they hid from the Lord. Um, and so, yeah, they're using these fig leaves that aren't satisfactory to cover themselves up. And all those categories that I was talking about in the last point, of ways that we try to rename ourselves, I think those are just ways that we're trying to cover ourselves up with fig leaves. We're trying to hide. Um, we feel ashamed of who we are, and so we'll use anything to, to cover ourselves up, but ultimately I don't think that those really work. Um, and I think the reason that we're hiding is because we're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid to admit who we really are. We're afraid for people to know who we really are because... We believe that if people found us out, they knew what was really going on, then we, they wouldn't care about us, they wouldn't accept us. Um, and a lot of us have experienced this, like whether it's from family or uh, in school growing up or a, broke, a re romantic relationship that went wrong, you've experienced rejection in your life. For me, it was that moment of being rejected by my father was so painful. Uh, and I would say that the feeling of being rejected by someone is literally... There are very few things worse than feeling rejected, um, and it's, it's a horrible feeling. Um, and I was just thinking, like, so what are some ways that maybe we, or examples of, like, guys and girls and, like, the ways that we are, more, more ways that we're hiding or ways, ways that we cope with not wanting to be rejected? And I think uh, for guys, um, one thing that we use a lot is, like, video games, um, and not every guy in here maybe plays video games. And I actually don't play a ton of video games. Um, but even this semester, I've actually been playing video games quite a bit more because a lot of the guys that I hang out with on campus love video games and they like like FIFA, NHL. Um, and I'm like, 
I, I would just say that like as a guy it's so satisfying to like win a video game and I think it's like it's it's funny because I in some ways I sort of feel like oh like that could be me out there on the the court or like playing hockey when in reality like I've never played hockey in my life um but there's there's something about this like fantasy world that's like really appealing um and that's because it's like I feel like I've achieved something without any risk and I think a lot of guys struggle with that we want this feeling of achieving something and winning at something but without any risk um and I think for girls uh it's a little different and I was and this isn't uh, exactly what my own thoughts, like I was talking to my friend Elisa about this and I was like, what, what does this look like in girls' lives? And so if you don't agree with me, you're disagreeing with her, not me. Um, <laughs> so she, but she said that I think a, a way that a, a lot of girls would do this is by kind of getting immersed in like, um, like series, like maybe it's like Grey's Anatomy or like, a, like a Netflix show. And guys, we do this too. Like, and just so you know, um, all these categories, like we, we each can relate in some way or another, and it's not like a one size fits all. But I think um, girls, there's there's something about being immersed in a story that's really appealing, and specifically like romantic stories. Um, there's this a guy is pursuing a girl, and she she feels really loved. Um, and I think for girls, it's like I can be immersed in a story, but I'm st- I'm gonna keep everybody any guy at at arm's length because I don't. I don't actually want to let anybody in. So I think both of those are just ways that we hide um, and we, we feel ashamed of ourselves and we don't, we don't really want to take risks. And so we'll use video games or shows or um, just sort of, I mean, even like social media just as a way to sort of keep everybody at arm's length. Um, and I would just say that, that all the ways that we're hiding are going to leave us feeling disappointed. Everything leaves us feeling disappointed. Um, another verse that I want to look at is from Jeremiah 2.13. Uh, and this is the Lord speaking. And he says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns from themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And the, the verse is saying that not only is it wrong that we reject God, but we, we do all these other things to make up for that. We, we do all these other things we hew out these broken cisterns that hold no water and leave us feeling unsatisfied because we think that athletics, we think that our appearance, we think that this fantasy world is going to make us happy and ultimately it leaves us feeling more empty. Uh, and they're just ways that we're covering our shame. Um, and yeah, like I said before, I mean, I've, I've, I've tried a lot of those things and I still struggle with things that leave me feeling empty. We all do. Um, I just, I think even with the relationships and the party scene, it's like, I, I really felt like, oh, when I'm drunk that I can, I can be so much happier because I'm more outgoing and I can talk to people. But all the relationships I built were pretty meaningless. And if I wasn't drunk, it's like we had nothing to talk about. Um, and I just think, like, if you really think about all the, the maybe the, the things that you wrote down when I asked you, how are you seeking identity? Those really are pretty empty. Like, I, this is a kind of a stupid example. It's kind of funny, but, like, so, um, like, with the volleyball tournament, like, we won it yesterday. And, and, I, and, like, I've been wanting to win that volleyball championship for, like, three years. I'm, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty competitive. And, I and like, we won, and it just, like, wasn't really that big of a deal. Um, and, like, yeah, it was, it was fun, but I think there were so many times, even yesterday, where I was, like, I just want to 
do really well and I want to be the best person on my team. And I was so concerned with like how, how I would appear before people and a lot less concerned with um, having other people enjoy it. And I just think that's just another clear example of like, man, these, these cisterns that I'm seeking are just are empty and unsatisfying. Um, which leads to my last point, and that's that a, a relationship with Christ renames us. So if family names us, we try to rename ourselves, and renaming ourselves doesn't work. A relationship with Christ truly does rename us. Um, and I think that's because our identity has to be given to us from an outside source. And that outside source can't be other people because other people's names for us are always changing. And they're conditional. But um, we can be given a name that, that isn't conditional. Uh, we become righteous. Um, I want to look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And it, it says, it's talking about Jesus. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I just think that's so sweet because we sinful people who constantly seek out broken sisters who are totally unworthy of love, um, we are loved because Jesus took on all of that ugliness, all of that sin in our lives, and he became sin, and in turn we get the perfect righteousness of Jesus. And you might be thinking, yeah, 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 I've heard that before, or maybe it's completely new, but that is not just something that we should should know up here, but that that is something that we should be experiencing. Like to be to feel righteous is a lot different than just knowing that you're righteous, but to to be completely made righteous. And I think a really sweet example of this lately is this is from someone I was talking to, um, an older couple that I really respect. Um, so um, the wife, she became a believer in college, was a huge partier, like had a lot of really unhealthy physical relationships. And she, she told me, she's like, when I became a Christian, I really felt like God made me a virgin again. And that, that was just like a sweet way of, of looking at it because that's true. Like all, all of the sin and all of those relationships, all of that, that brokenness in her life was just completely wiped away and her record was made clean in trusting in Jesus. And, and then we can have that same that can be true of us too in trusting in Jesus. Like no, our past sin doesn't have to define us. Nothing about our past is going to be looked at and counted against us if we're trusting in Christ. Um, so we become righteous. We get adopted. Uh, Galatians 4, 4 to 7 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And I just think this is really sweet because um, we, I, I like in verse 6 how it says we get to cry, Abba, Father. There's an intimacy that we get to have. That basically is saying we get to say, Daddy. And if you haven't figured out the answer to the question, who's your daddy yet? It's your perfectly heavenly father, God, and you can call him Daddy. Um, you can have an intimate relationship with him. Um, another thing that we get is perfect validation. Uh, Joe briefly mentioned this, but Mark 1.11 says, this is a voice come, come, came down from heaven, God speaking about Jesus, saying, you are my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. And that is so sweet. Uh, God is just screaming, God the Father is just screaming validation over Jesus and saying, I am well pleased with you. And if you trust in Jesus, you get the exact same 
validation screamed over your life, that I am well pleased with you. Um, and I just think that's really, really good news. Um, I want to end with uh, just a clip um, from the movie The Matrix. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I, I really like this movie, but um, I, I just think this clip is pretty powerful. Um, and it's, it's from the, the point in the movie where Neo uh, is about to take the pill. So I'll try to be quick here. Can you guys hear that or should we close the doors quick? Yes, be fine. Okay. What it is. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage. Born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. <laughs> Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. I just really like that clip because I think it really speaks to this idea of um, a new identity in Christ. And so my, my question for you guys as you leave is, would you take the red pill? Would you trust in Jesus and trust in an identity that can be given to you um, outside of yourself um, and experience true life? Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at newyearsconference.com.